welcome to this month's edition of Newswire. Uh, just a couple of um, interesting, um, ho well, hopefully interesting anyway, uh, tax um, announcements to, to just talk through briefly with you. First of all, I think really about the significant um, tax rises um, ahead. Uh, I'm sure you will recall the government did announce that from April 2022, uh, they're going to introduce in this new UK-wide 1.25% um, health and social care um, levy and as I'm sure you recall it's going to be ring fence for health and social secure uh, social uh, social care going to be based on NIC uh, but from 2023 uh, will be legislatively um, separate so in effect what's going to be happening here is that from 2022-23 in 22-23 there's going to be um, this 1.25% increase in class one that's for employee and employer uh, rates but also the class four rates as well for our self-employed clients NICs uh, for the main and higher rate tax but on top of that, there's going to be this 1.25% increase in the dividend tax rates as well. Um, it is also going to be, it's effectively going to be introduced from April 2022. And so as I say, uh, working age employees, self-employed um, and employers increased by 1.25%. Um, it's going to be added to the existing NHS allocations, but it is not going to apply uh, for the class two or the class three rates. Um, in effect, once we get to April 23, i.e. allowing the revenue systems to be updated, uh, this 1.25% levy is going to be formally separated out. Uh, so for us, in, us, those of us who are employees, we're going to be seeing that clearly on our pay slips, of course. But it is also from April 2023, going to apply to individuals who work above state pension age, but then at the same time, NIC rates will be returning to their 21-22 um, levy levies. So that's fundamentally it. Uh, the government have confirmed as well that the existing NIC reliefs, i.e. to support um, employers, um, will be content continue to apply to the levy. So what we're talking about there would be typically, for example, uh, the apprentices under the age of 25, all people under the age of 21, the newish veterans and employers in free ports as well. So those are going to continue to apply and indeed obviously the, um, the employment allowance as well. So really they're the key points. At the same time, the government did make us aware that there is going to be an autumn budget, 27th of October. Uh, last budget of course being what? On the 3rd of March. So more tax information to digest more things to talk to clients about about as well. Okay, that's um, enough on that in relation to those tax rises ahead. Um, we did have another press release from the government um, telling us about um, the, uh, the national minimum wage, effectively the revenue revealing some absurd excuses uh, for not for employers not paying the national minimum wage. I mean, I won't go through them all, uh, but you will find this on gov.uk. It's a few highlights, shall we say, uh, from this document that was published uh, by the government. Um, some of these ridiculous excuses included she does not deserve the national minimum wage because she only makes the tea and sweeps the floor. Hmm, interesting one there. Um, apparently another one was that the employee was not a good worker. So the employer did not think that they needed to be paid um, the national minimum wage. 
I was interested to see this one. My accountant and I speak a different language. My accountant does not understand me. And that is why my accountant does not pay my workers the correct wages. So let's blame the accountant effectively on that one. Um, what about this one? It is part of the UK culture not to pay young workers for the first three months because apparently they've got to prove their worth first. Mm, interesting development there. Um, my workers like to think of themselves as being self-employed and clearly the national minimum wage does not apply apparently to people who work for themselves was another excuse. And the final one I thought I would mention here, my workers are often just on standby, i.e. when there are no customers in the shop. I only pay them for when they are actually serving serving um, individual and customers. So there we go, some more absurd excuses for not paying the national minimum wage as uh, revealed by HMRC. Another item that appeared on gov.uk um, earlier this month was just a reminder about the Child Trust, Child Trust um, Fund because apparently thousands of teenagers, they're missing out on the CTFs, the Child Trust Funds. Uh, and in fact, the revenue and the government are just urging young people to check if they do actually have a hidden pot of gold in the shape of the Child Trust and Fund. You'll remember that these um, were set up uh, before between September 2002 and January 2011 uh, for those with a child benefit claim. And you'll recall that parents and guardians generally would set these accounts up, uh, usually with banks, building societies, um, investment managers, using vouchers typically provided by uh, the government. If it wasn't opened up by um, the child's parents, effectively the revenue would be um, setting them one, one up on the child's behalf. And apparently um, there are around about six million of these set up between 2002 and 2011. So that's the message to clients um, of their children, thousands of teenagers missing out on the child trust funds. Another announcement towards the beginning of September was about um, the Eclipse Film Partnership members. You may have the odd client or maybe even more than the odd client who entered into some of these and film partnership uh, arrangements. The Eclipse Film Partners, uh, numbers 1 to 40, these were the LLPs. Uh, that Yes, they were complex financial arrangements aiming to generate um, large interest payments on bank borrowings. Um, these were, of course, presented as contributions to the capital of the LLPs uh, to enable the members effectively to buy film rights. And, of course, the idea being that the members claiming relief for the interest payments um, against their income effectively um, to avoid to avoid tax. Um, but, of course, at the tribunals and indeed the Court of Appeal, they did hear actually or found that the um, partners were not actually trading. As a result, on that basis, the Eclipse members were not entitled to any Eclipse interest um, um, relief. And effectively, what the revenue have done is present those taxpayers with a settlement opportunity. They'll be contacting taxpayers with a settlement opportunity indeed to resolve any Eclipse related tax issues. Just a mention of that as well, you'll find the detail on gov.uk and obviously within the newswire. And the final point I thought I would mention, a bit late in the day, as I'm sure you were here last week, we had the announcement that um, making tax digital for ITSA, income tax self-assessment, 
is effectively being delayed by a year again. So now we're looking at what um, April 2024 um, that that's going going to come in. Um, possibly moving to a tax year basis from then. Ultimately, we wait and see following the close of the consultation um, towards the end of um, October with a transitional year. Uh, the year before, in effect, to get rid of the um, overlap profit for those of us with clients who've not got clients on a 31 March to 5th of April um, year end. And again, you'll find a link to some of that within the newswire as well. And indeed, we are presenting dedicated MTD special courses over the autumn. So um, I might get a chance to see some of you face to face on some of those courses or indeed on Zoom. We have just started the last couple of weeks getting back to venues. It's been really nice seeing real people again, as opposed to just just talking to a computer screen. So hopefully I'll be seeing some of you again at the venues over the autumn. Okay, that's enough from me. Hopefully enjoy this month's edition of Newswire. Thanks very much, Norman. And now on to the audit accountancy section with me, Jeremy Williams. Well, here we are, end of September, and it's definitely a back to school feeling about everything, isn't there? Uh, and the FRC are busy still publishing thematic reviews. We've got two reviews to talk about in this session, which are in Newswire. Uh, the first of those is a review of the streamlined energy and carbon disclosures that companies and LLBs have been making in their accounts, either in the director's report or in an energy and carbon report if you're an LLP. So this is the first time we've got a proper review by the FRC of the quality of disclosure so far. And as I'm sure you can imagine, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, we've got some evidence of good disclosure, uh, but some companies that have missed the point on some of the disclosures, whether that's combining the scope one and scope two uh, emissions figures, scope one being direct greenhouse gas uh, emissions and scope two being indirect. Uh, whether it's using a metric, uh, a ratio to describe their emissions in a way that's not particularly helpful, um, or just getting some of the data wrong. Uh, and in particular, not being clear on how they have calculated the figures, which is so important for users to make sense of what they've said. So if you're dealing with a large company or a large LLP who's making SECR disclosures, uh, you should be looking at the FRC's guidance, as should they, uh, so that you've got a good idea of what to expect. We're also finding, as we've outlined in Newswire, that auditors are often not really addressing this area appropriately. It's something that auditors do need to consider um, because uh, you know if these d disclosures aren't correct, then that can materially affect the audit report. Um, do bear in mind as well that for businesses which are exempt from producing these disclosures because they're a low energy user, they need to make that clear in their report. So go and check out our Newswire for details and go and see the FRC's thematic review. Now that's one of the reviews. The second one is a review of going concern and viability disclosures. And again, this is aimed at uh, large companies. Uh, so it will be of limited interest to some of you. But I think it's always very useful to see how the FRC approach areas of disclosure where judgment has to be applied to work out how much to say and that's particularly the case for areas of going concern and um, where there's a material uncertainty about the use of the going concern basis. Uh, so please do have a look at what the FRC have said about how the judgment that's been applied has been disclosed. 
and also their urging of large companies to look further ahead when they are planning their going concern and viability disclosures. And again, details in Newswire. So now let's talk about audit reports, which I'm sure is your favorite topic. Uh, last month in Newswire, we reported the new illustrative auditors reports from the FRC. Hopefully you've all been reading and digesting those. And we're happy to report this time that the Institute has revised its own guidance. Uh, so if you need particular guidance on uh, how to complete the audit report in practice, uh, the ICAW fact sheets are a really good source for that. Uh, and they've been updated to come into line with the latest versions from the FRC. We've also got a publication from the Institute uh, on those of you using audit data analytics, uh, which is well worth uh, a look uh, in dealing with exceptions and outliers. Uh, we've got a great article on that uh, and you can follow the link in Newswire. Okay, so let's talk about big audit firms next. Uh, the FRC has a consultation out on strengthening its audit firm governance code. Now, this is not the same as the corporate governance code. This is the code specifically for large audit firms, those who are auditing either public interest entities or members of the FTSE 350 group. Uh, and it sets out the uh, principles on which those firms should be run and the comply or explain disclosure approach that the FRC is taking. So have a look at the consultation, uh, either if you work for a big firm and want to see how your firm measures up and what it's going to need to report on, or if you're just uh, like me, interested in the sector and want to see uh, how the FRC wants to strengthen and tighten the rules on these bigger audit firms. Now, sticking with large audit firms, this month the FRC issued a final decision notice against one of the big four, EY this time, uh, in its audit of Stagecoach. Uh, that resulted in a fine of £3.5 million for the firm, although this was discounted to just over £2.2 million. Uh, it also included a severe reprimand, uh, further non-financial sanctions as well, uh, and sanctions applied to the audit partner concerned. Now, uh, another list of failings in this audit, but they particularly focus on evidence gathering, and in particular, obtaining evidence using management experts and actually using auditors experts as well in difficult areas, including pension schemes. Uh, the final decision notice uh, saw a number of problems with EY's approach here, uh, including failing to apply enough skepticism, enough challenge of management in their use of their own expert. Uh, and equally, issues uh, that EY's auditor expert raised weren't being dealt with appropriately and won't be communicated through to the client. Uh, also individual evidence failings at the firm as well. Uh, and all in all, just not a great performance from EY. Uh, we see a number of these issues come up. Uh, there's repeated final decision notices for large firms coming through at the moment. So uh, if you've got either morbid fascination with that uh, or you particularly want to judge how your firm would uh, measure up when dealing with either management or auditors experts, then please go and look at our blog article, which is referenced in Newswire, and you can go and read the final decision notice itself. Now, you may instead be much more interested in the proposed standard for the audit of less complex entities that we talked about uh, this time last month. We have a draft uh, of the standard and in the last month, we've had further goodies issued by the IAASB, uh, including uh, some guidance on reporting, 
uh, and also including uh, mapping documents that explain how to map between the existing requirements of the ISA suite and what is in the new proposed standard. Uh, so by all means have a look at uh, that. We've got outreach uh, information from the IAASB as they seek to consolidate views around their new draft uh, ready so that it can be turned into uh, a more refined version. Uh, we're going to be following this one with interest. I know many of you that I talk to on courses uh, express an interest in a standard uh, that would be a cut down version of the ISA suite. What's particularly important then is to look through the mapping documents to see actually how many of the requirements uh, in ISAs are being mapped in. And in fact, you hard pressed to see differences between the requirements in ISAs and what is mapped in. Uh, the key difference will be the lack of you know, copious documentation around uh, the requirement paragraphs themselves uh, and the new structure that the new standard will have. So we're still confident that it's uh, going to be a useful standard when it's produced, but there's some way to go to see exactly how useful it will be once the dust settles. So have a look at our web article on the topic, link in Newswire. Uh, and by all means, go to the IAASB's page and get those supporting documents for yourself. Finally, let's talk about probate. And we're looking at the probate regulations, uh, which became effective on the 23rd of February 2017. Uh, we now have the consultation for a further revision uh, to those probate regulations uh, to mandate transparency disclosures. Uh, the comment period on that closed earlier this month and so we're now waiting for the outcome of that. But if you are dealing with probate, then please go and look at that link in Newswire. And that is it for September. Uh, as the blustery autumnal weather continues and you start to huddle in for warmth and light, just remember that at least we're still on British summertime and that's gonna have gone by the time we get to the end of next month. What a cheery thought. But in the meantime, we will be back with latest news for audit accountancy and for tax as well. So look after yourselves and we'll see you in a month's time.